Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, church. I just want us to highlight one slide there, the Grace Race. So the Grace Race, if you have ever seen the Amazing Race, it's similar, just we're doing it here in Vintuk. So it's a, a race across Vintuk, around Vintuk, and it's 150 per person, and you're in a team of four. So 150 per person, you're a team of four. And what you can, you can sign up right at the back at the info desk, and if you do not want to participate, you can volunteer. So please sign up to volunteer. If you don't want to be competitive and you don't believe this thing is biblical, just <laughs> sign up there at the back and, uh, and then uh, we don't compete. There's no favoritism with the Lord. So if you're not in that category, just sign up at the back to volunteer. Amen. Amen. And yesterday we had an amazing time with the youth. And so here was a talent show with the youth. For those of you who are there, for those of you who are not, they just from our churches across uh, Vinduk, we came together and people performed, sing, and did poems, and we just had an amazing time. And the grace race, the talent show, do it for one thing, is that we can finish what we have started here. And so please join us in the grace race, but we had an amazing time yesterday. So we are continuing with a series called The Kingdom Culture. Ah, last week, Pastor Chris spoke about God is a royal God. And he was, if I sum up his message in, in maybe a sentence or two, he said that all of us search for belonging and all of us search for, the, for, for, for identity and we all seek this perfect world. Everybody, we want this perfect world. And he concluded to say, there's nothing perfect, there's no perfect kingdom outside of Christ. And so if you want to live in a perfect kingdom, you've got to be inside of Christ, meaning you, you have to be surrendered to Christ, your life is given over to Christ, and in Him you live this perfect life. Because many times we find as Christians, we are satisfied with being a 30-fold or a 60-fold Christian. But few of us press on to be a hundredfold. Few of us, are, are, we, are, we are content with saying, Lord, you've saved me, you've moved me from my past to where I'm at, but I'm fine here. And we do not press on through what God has really have in mind for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today is our royal identity as sons and daughters. So if you're in Christ or you're on your way to being with Christ, it is crucial for you to listen and understand what I will be saying today. And so you have to tell your neighbor, are you ready to be changed? Because you cannot stay the same after this message. I have given my message over. So if you hear me speak, it's no longer I. It's the Lord speaking through me. And He's definitely going to impact your life. He's definitely going to say something tonight that you need to hear. And so in our lives, we can go to the third one. In our lives, we all ask these fundamental questions. 
is who am I, where did I come from, and where am I going? So I want you to open your Bibles at 1 Peter, no, no, you just stay with the slides, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. I want you to keep your Bibles open there. There's going to be a, more, a lot of more scriptures being used, but I want you just to stay there. All the other scriptures will be on the board, but keep this, this scripture, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And we are going to answer all three of those questions from that passage, and we are going to explain everything and what it means. So all of us are searching to fill in those blanks. We can go to the next one. Uh, all of us are searching. Sorry, the previous one. All of us are searching to answer those questions. None of them can be answered by us. None of us, none of them can be filled. That, that, that emptiness, those spaces cannot be put in by you. You cannot add words to them. And so we are going to talk about this, this book, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And what's important for us is to understand what this book is about. Because the book of Peter is very unique. Because it says right in the beginning, this book is written to the elect, scattered, and then he mentions the places. And he says this was people scattered. So in other terms, it's people like me, it's people like you, and it's people different than us. It was people scattered across the place. And he says that this book is written to the elect the selected, the chosen ones. And we know that in the Old Testament, if you think of the elect, they were Israel. If you, if you just listen to the scripture, if you think of uh, Exodus 24, verse 22 to 23, it says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son, let my son go, that he may serve me. If, <laughs> let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, I will kill your firstborn. So here, God is saying to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh this. This is my people, and you've got to let them go. And see, Jesus is, is interested in your identity. He's interested in your freedom. He wants to fill those blanks for you. Because further on in Exodus, he goes on, he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commands, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth are mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the people. And he spoke this to Israel, the elect. And Peter comes and says, it is no longer just those. And he broadens it. And he says, he puts us all in this category. So therefore, Peter, Peter's letter is a very general letter. It is, it is not, it's, it's general. All of us can read and apply it into our lives. Peter's letter was written to Jews and Gentiles, meaning people who were part of Israel, the elect, and people like us who are far from God. The book of Peter was written to people of different social statuses, slave and free. What does it mean in our terms? You own a business or you work for someone. You're a CEO or you're in the streets. He's putting all of us into one identity. He says it doesn't matter where you come from, your background. 
we are all in this one identity that we are going to talk about right now. And this book, because this book was also written to people who have never seen Jesus. They were new converts. And that's people like us. And so this book is an amazing book. And we all try to fill in those questions, ah, those spaces. And Genesis 3 verse 10 to 12 says, And he said, I heard a sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? And I want to ask you today, who told you? Who has tried to fill in those blanks for you? Who has tried to create your identity for you? Who, who, who tried to tell you who you are? Who tried to tell you where do you come from and where you should be going? And I want you to say, I want us to do, I can go to the next one, that no one else will fill it for us but God Himself. He needs to do it. No one can fill it. We cannot fill it ourselves. And a solid identity requires a thorough understanding of God. We need to understand who He is. We need to understand it well for us to have a solid identity. And I'm reading for you at 1 Peter 2 verse 1. Just listen. It says, who am I? Before I read it, who am I? Go to the next one. And there's a few areas that I want to highlight before we go into this main passage. We're experiencing a lot of fatherlessness in our midst. It's a global outcry. Everybody, and you can experience this by passive fathers. You can experience this by divorce. And you could experience this by death. Your father being absolutely absent because of death. And you see, if the absence of a father is an absence of our identity, because there's a fullness that has to take place for us to have our full identity. And many times what happens if we have an absence is that we also have a wrong perspective of who the Heavenly Father is. Because your only perspective is what you have experienced in your life. And maybe you're an absence of father and, and your who I am says, if you had an absence of fatherhood in your life, maybe you say, who am I? I am rejected. I am not worthy to be taken care of. I am unimportant and therefore they left me. Though they did it purposefully or not purposefully, those are words that do get communicated to us. Maybe you're, you're here and you're a woman and a man, you have been defined by how you should look your outward appearance, that the pressure has been there for you to set up a standard of what you should look like. Or you have been defied and say, who am I? I am too big. I am too small. I am, my laugh is, it irritates people. And all these things slowly come in and they define us and give us identity. Maybe you have um, you are younger. I, I don't agree that this is just for the young people because you find people of our age and older than me just want to be lit. They just want to be cool. They just, the pressure of owning Apple and the pressure of owning a car and, and this amount, this car, and it, it just puts us in pressure. And, and you know, it, it's, 
like we speak so much of the youth getting a thrill from likes on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but that same thrill is with the adults. People posting things just for that adrenaline of getting liked. And we stay. And people are, have posted. I spoke to someone recently who deleted Facebook and Instagram because he, he realized and saying, all I want was likes. All I want was the thrill of it. All I want was to experience what it gives me. And, and you know, if you go into the scientific things of it, and there's this thing that it releases uh, in us, and then they say the substance that gets released is the same substance you get from smoking and drinking. It's the same thing that gets released. It's the same pleasure. And then they say it's highly addictive. So uh, for us to stay cool is highly addictive. And we want to trust the Lord for the following. Peter starts his book, 1 Peter 2 verse 1. He says, so put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And I want us to trust the Lord that whoever tried to fill your blanks, that you would put it away tonight. Say, Lord, I don't want it. I don't want the deceit. I don't want the deception that have been spoken over me. I'm confused at who I am, but I want to put it away, and I want you to define me newly. We want to put away the hypocrisy, living a life here, but living a different life there. We want to put away envy, where we strive for what others have. We, other people's lives have filled our blanks, our education. These things are great. None of the things I mentioned is not great, but when they become your identity, they become a problem. And we want to put it away tonight and say, Lord, remove this from us. Remove anything that has been defined wrongly. So let's go into the main scripture. Here's what God is saying about us. This is what Peter wrote to these people scattered. He says, but you are, after telling them to put away, after telling them to stop this nonsense, says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Ah, you are a chosen race first one that you are a chosen what does this mean this means you're selected to obtain salvation that's what it says it says you are chosen you are elected to obtain salvation think of someone an orphan who chooses an orphan does the orphan choose the family or does the family choose the orphan the family chooses the orphan but we have come to a time where we say lord I have given up so much to follow you. Lord, I have given my life to you. But here it says you have ch been chosen, meaning you cannot look for God. He looks for you first. The reason you are sitting here tonight is because he allowed some desire in you to come to church. The reason you want to change is because he enabled you to change. See, we cannot pursue God. Matthew supports this. He says, no one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father into whom He chooses to reveal Himself. So the fact that you desire God, the fact that you want to pursue Him, is because He pursued you first. So what we need to understand is the privilege of being in a relationship with God. Because now we say, who am, we, we, we come and say, 
I am doing the church a favor by serving. I am doing a church a favor by making disciples. I, I'm, doing, I'm doing God a favor by being His Son. And He says, no, I have chosen you. He has chosen you. Tonight, maybe, He wants to choose you. He's stirring in your heart. He's opening your heart so that He can impart into your life. You see, God chose the Israelites. The Israelites didn't choose God. And we need to understand it clearly that we do not give our lives to Christ. He gives us the right to become His children. John supports it. John 1.12 says, but, but all who received Him, those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. May you rethink that I give my life to Lord or saying, Lord, I'm so grateful that you have allowed me to be chosen, that you have allowed me to be part of your elect, a part of the, the ones that says, Lord, you have given me a gateway to salvation. You have opened it so that I can put my faith in you and grace can come through that and I can be saved. So God gives it to us. So if God has chosen us, what do we become? In Galatians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if you are a son, then you're, you're here through God. So when God chooses us, we are no longer orphans. We are sons. Our attitude should change. Our way should change. If you are selected for any national team, you cannot tell me you'll still be the same. I'm part of a squad that, if you think of SA Rugby, if, you, if you're part of that team, it's, I think it's 23 people that can go to the game. But if we have institute, we have hundreds of thousands of people playing. But there's only this 23 that makes it to go on. And so we need to change. And then it says we are here with God. What does it mean? You're a king. That's your identity. Who are you? You're a son and you're a king. Everything that God has for us, uh, has for you, is, it's open. It's there. You can access it and it can become part of your life. So if we are chosen, then this certainly demands for us to live a different life. And the life that we should live is lives of royal priesthood. So he goes on and says, you're a chosen race and you're a royal priesthood. But now we have to go back and say, what was the priests in the Old Testament? Because the priests were the guys who served in the temple. These guys had no other occupation. These guys had no other work. All they did is they served God and they served others. That's, that's, that's what they did. And, 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 and there's a scripture in Numbers 18 verse 20, and it says, And the Lord said, this was the distributing of lands. And the Lord said to Aaron, you shall, have no, uh, you shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance. And I want to tell you, do not have any inheritance in materialistic things. Because your inheritance is the Lord himself. Because he's the only thing that's eternal. So if your inheritance is fixed on your education, if your inheritance is fixed on your business, if your inheritance is fixed, I want to say on your wife or your kids, it's temporal. 
your inheritance is the Lord Himself. And so what does it mean to be a priest? To mean a priest is that God is your portion and your inheritance. He's yours. He opened himself and said, I'm yours. I, I give you everything that I have. I'm yours. And secondly, to be a priest means we serve God. And if the priest in the Old Testament served nothing but God, then your life from morning to evening should serve nothing of God, whether you're working in the secular or you're working for yourself. Everything you do, whether you sit or stand, eat or sleep, should be service unto God. That is who we are. So when I, when I do this, I serve God. When they click that button to go to the next side, they are serving God and saying, Lord, we want people to see what's on these screens. The people who are sweeping these floors are serving God. And that's what we need to do. And then we need to serve others. So if we are chosen, and we are priests, we need to serve others. See, priests were allowed to serve, uh, to, to teach the law. That means if we are priests, we have the message of reconciliation. That's your identity. That's who you are. Who am I? I'm a messenger. Who am I? I'm an ambassador. Who am I? I'm, I'm this herald. I, I carry a message that brings people from this side to this side, from darkness to light. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is your identity. And in 1, in, in, in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he answers it and he says, if you serve others, what is your... <laughs> he says, if you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, uh, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. That is who you are. So it says, you are these things for this reason. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You belong to God for this reason. That you may proclaim the excellence of Him who saved you from darkness to light. So if you are saying, I am chosen, if you want to have a royal identity, start proclaiming the excellence of Him. Start telling people how great He is. And if you have not experienced him, ask him because you are here tonight because he's enabled you. So you can receive what gets spoken tonight if you're not in him. He's, in, he's opening it to you and saying, Lord, I want this excellencies of who you are. And I want to proclaim it. Then he goes on and he says, you're a holy nation. He says, you're a holy nation. Now here again we think of Israel. Why did Israel why did Israel have so many laws? Why did Israel have to do so many things? Because for them to be set apart, they had to be different. They couldn't be the same as the whole world. So God had to put things in place that you are different and make you different. You cannot be the same as the others. And I want to tell you, if you have ever been called in your life, you are holier than thou. Who have you ever heard that? Why you act as if you are holier than thou? If you have ever heard that, I want to commend you. <laughs> Why? Why do I want to commend you? Why do I want to praise you if people say that? Christian or non-Christian? Why? Because that's what should be said of us. There should be said of us that we are set apart. 
It should be said of us when, when people get in, in, and I miss this point because if people get in interaction with me, I don't think they see this guy is set apart. Just look at him. Right? Just look at the way he does. Look at, the, look at his patience. His patience is beyond a, a, a human ability. I don't know how to get it right. His self-control, his love, his, his kindness is just something we, we cannot put into words. The dictionary cannot define that type of kindness. And that's how set apart you should be. Because you see, God says that we are in this world, but not from this world or of this world. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So you're in it, but you're not of it. So that means you need to be set aside. So our lives from an 8 to 5 got to change. And I'm convinced why we blend so easily is because of that 30 and 60 fold Christian. We do not press on to a place where God is our ultimate treasure. Paul said it. Paul said it. I count everything rubbish. He uses another translation. I think he says dung, poo. Everything is poo. Everything is rubbish. Everything will fade. There's nothing good that I can obtain except Jesus. And imagine that's how set apart this guy was. Because even from the day of his conversion, the other disciples were hesitant of this guy. But his life just changed immediately. And so you've got to pursue this. You've got to pursue to be a holy nation. We as a church, people should say, we are so different. You guys are not by the books. You guys are, there's something that we, we see this difference. We see the supernatural in you. And he, the only way we can do that is by being in Christ. Let's go to the last point of that thing. You're a people for his own possession. If I can sum this up, it would mean lordship. If I can, if I can use other words, if you, if, if, you're, if you're His possession, it means you're living for His glory. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says it. He says, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory. So if you're living for your glory, you've got to change. Because you're created... For His glory. If you say that you're His possession, He owns you. If you say that Jesus owns me, I am His, then can, he, can Jeremiah 18 verse 9 be relevant to us, which says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And we know that a potter can form the pot the way he wants to form it. If he puts his hand on it, he does with it what he wants. And so here he declares it to Israel, but we know we are part of this Israel now. So he's saying, can I not put my hands on you? Do with you what I want to do? Can I do it? Can I take away things from you? Can I add things to you? Will you accept it? You know, sometimes I, I think I, I'm amazed by the book of, of Job because if you, if you read it, you'll, you'll see God using the devil to shame the devil. That's what he did there. I mean, you consider my servant Job. Look how good he is. And 
the Lord gives him access to say, you can don't kill him, but there's his possession. There's his life, his, his, his physical appearance. And it says that his physical appearance was so bad that his friends who visited him couldn't recognize him. So imagine if we say, Lord, I am yours. Do with me what you please. What if he does that to you? Will you still be like Job and say, Lord, I, I won't sin against you? Though we do have speculations that Job was a bit uh, righteous, he thought he can manage, and then I think he felt like just he, he, he thought he's so good. And then all of this just happens to him. But what if, if we say we are God's own, if we say we belong to him, if how much release do we have? How much have you released your life to him? Like how much does he still, how much access does the Lord really have? Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and thank you for your promises. But like, are you allowing him to work on your character? Because that's heavy. That's sensitive. That gets tricky. On, on, on maybe your, your, your impatientness, your anger. Are you allowing him to form you? Because if you're a royal, you must be different. You must be different. You cannot be the same. You cannot tell me the president can be the same as a normal person. He doesn't act like it. That's why you get some presidents that they can throw their attitude around. Bring me this type of food. Let me sit at this type of chair. Because they know who they are. And so we belong to Him. So let's just go over that again. Who are you? You are chosen. Meaning you are selected by God. He has chosen you. He has elected you. He has given you the opportunity to be His. And secondly, you are a royal priesthood. So you, God is your portion. And you are created to serve Him and to serve others. That's your priesthood duty. Serve God, serve others. Love God, love people. And then thirdly is, uh, yeah, thirdly is you're a holy nation. Holy means set apart. That's what it means. To be holy means to be set apart. You're set aside. So if I had a, had a bowl of apples here and I put one aside, this one is not with these ones. It's set aside. And then it says you're a people for His own possession meaning he, you belong to him you belong to him that's who you are so where do you come from where do you come from because who you are is very linked with this because you'll appreciate who you are if you knew where you come from so where do you come from Once you were, where do you come from? That you may proclaim the excellence of who called you out of darkness. That's where you come from. You come from darkness. You come from a place where you were not part of Him. Not part of His people. You came from a place where you didn't have mercy. That's where we come from. And that's why it says we get adopted. Because we are outside of Christ originally because of our fallenness. Because we have sinned in the beginning we are outside of Him. So we got to understand, where do you come from? Whether you think you are righteous or not, you come from darkness. You come from a place where you have fallen. 
you were far from God, if you have done many wrongs in your life or not, you were once far from God. But where are you going? This is the most important part, is where am I going? Where am I going? 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10, the says, we're going to His marvelous light. We're going to be God's people. And we are going to a place where we receive mercy. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? Eternal judgment. We do deserve it. We do deserve the judgment. We do deserve eternal separation from God. It's our portion. But no longer because we move to His marvelous light. We move to being part of God's people. And we move to a place where we have received mercy. So I made a statement right in the beginning saying, a, a solid identity needs a thorough understanding of God. We cannot press into this in a 40-minute sermon. We cannot. So what you need to do is you need to press into this. You need to go and understand the privilege of being selected. The privilege of being able to sit here. The privilege of being able to serve, to read your word, to open your mouth in prayer, to sing a song unto God. We need to understand He has given that to us. You know when someone gives us money or they give us something, we are grateful. We experience that gratitude in the same way He has given us. Because He's a loving God, He cannot see us go. And you've got to understand your priesthood. You've got to understand that the Lord is your portion. He's your inheritance. He's the thing that's going to stay behind with you eternally when everything else fades. That's what inheritance is, what's being left behind for you. What's left behind for us is eternal life in Christ. And that's what He's giving us. And you've got to press into knowing what does it mean to be set apart. We've got to know, we've got to press into understanding what does it mean to not blend with culture. What does it mean to not blend with what everybody's doing? What does it mean to... To speak and be called holier than thou. Saying, you're, you're, just, you're just trying to tell me something again what I must do. Like we need to live life that's set apart, that's so different that we cannot explain it. Now how, why are we able to do this? This is the conclusion. Why are we able, how is it possible that we are chosen? How is it possible that we are priesthoods? How is it possible that we are a holy nation? And how is it possible that we are His possession? Because of Jesus. If you think of a priesthood, the high priest was the only one who could enter and see God face to face. I think it was once a year for the atonement of the people. What happened at the cross? It says what tore? The veil tore. The curtain tore. What, but what does that mean? Now it's no longer once a year, but we have direct access to the King of Kings and His marvelous light. 
So that's who we sing. Because of Jesus' life, because of His sacrifice, because of His obedience, because of His grace and because of His love and because of His compassion, we are able to approach Him in confidence. I think in Hebrews it actually speaks about it that we go, can now go beyond the curtain. We go behind it. I think it's Hebrews 9, somewhere there. We go behind the curtain and we can face Jesus face to face. And I want us to understand that that's a great privilege. Imagine if we lived in a time where only the high priest, one person, once a year, can experience Jesus. He could see him. He could see God. And here God has torn the veil and says, I am open to all of you. All of you have access to me. The world has access to me. The world can taste and see me. It's open. Free now. Everybody can. It's no longer just these elected people. It's no longer just this group of people. All of us. All our friends. All our families. And all ourselves. Ourselves have access to this great God. And so... I want us to apply these four things. You remember them and I'm going to apply them. The chosen race, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, and the people of his own possession. May you go press in to that. May you go and understand it. Get a grip of it. You're not going to do it in 10 minutes and you're maybe not going to do it in a week. But press on. Continue asking the Lord, Lord, give me revelation of what it means to be adopted, but I'm not an orphan, I'm a son, I'm a king. What, what does it mean if your whole kingdom, I'm, I, I can have access to it? Like everything is released to us, all spiritual gifts are given to us freely. So what does that mean? And so that is your identity. So only this can fill those blanks. So who are you? You're chosen. You're chosen. You're royal, a priesthood. You're set apart. You're not like everybody else. And you belong to God Himself. So let's just stand as we pray. Let's just close our eyes. Lord, uh, God, we, we, Lord, I don't want us to be satisfied with what we have of you currently, Lord. God, I don't want us to be content with, with reading our Bibles and just praying, God. I want us to enjoy it, Lord. And I want us to see you every time we do it, God. Every time we leave, we have something fresh that you have given us, Jesus. God, we cannot deny that if it wasn't for your son, we wouldn't stand here, Lord. God, we cannot, we cannot express our gratitude and our thanksgiving and our worship to its fullest, Lord, of what your son has done for us, God. God, I pray that you forgive us for the times that we forget that you have torn the veil and we can access you freely, Lord. But we have occupied our minds with other things but you, Lord. 
we have filled those blanks with what the world says and not what you are saying, God. We are spending more time allowing other things to tell us who we are than you telling us who we are, Lord. So, God, I pray that our hearts will not be the same, Lord. Our flesh will be in submission to the Spirit, Lord. The Spirit will reign. It will tell us exactly what to do, and we will feed the soul with what the Spirit is saying. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are far from you, God. Lord, if someone is here tonight and they say, I, I have not obtained this identity. I don't know what it means to be chosen. I don't know what it means to be a royal priesthood. I, I also want to be set apart. I also want to be owned by this King of Kings, this King who breathed and the earth existed. So Lord, I pray that you work in them right now, Lord. And Father, I pray that that person, Lord, or these people whose hearts are moved and saying, God, I want to be identified with you, Lord. I want to be part of your kingdom. God, I pray that you just speak to them now. And if, if, if that is you, I, I, want you to, I want you to come. I want you to come to the front and say, I, I want this. I want you not to be ashamed of the gift that God wants to give you. I don't want you to be ashamed that he wants to select you to be part of his kingdom. So if there's anyone that says, I, I, I do not identify with this identity, yeah, may you come to the front now. May you come now and say, I want this. If you have never gotten it. So thank you, Lord, that if we all have it. And so, Lord, I thank you then those for us who are here, Lord. God, I pray that We'll remember, God, that we're on our way to your marvelous life, Lord. God, help us to forget, not to forget in those tough days that we are your people. God, help us not to forget in those tough days, the, day, the, the days that we maybe get a bit doubtful of your presence, Lord. Remember that you've given us mercy. God, I pray that we will understand and be thankful, Lord, that you pursued us first. And you're our first love, Lord. God, we love you. We surrender our lives to you. We want more of you. We want to taste more of you. We want to see more of you. We want to treasure more of you, Lord. We do not want to be content. And so, God, we thank you that you bless us. We thank you for your promises that we will hold on to this week, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have good in mind for us. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to prosper, Lord. Thank you that you want us to succeed, Lord. God, thank you that we will do that in you, Lord. You are our primary identity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.